Hebrews chapter 12. Boy, there's nothing much more we can celebrate than having our sins paid in full. Amen. What's a blessing. Grateful to see the kids that are here and uh, parents that are faithfully bringing them. We're just grateful to have them a part of our church. Hebrews chapter 12. I read a statistic this week. I am having trouble with my uh, thing here. 87% of Americans own running shoes but don't run. <laughs> Maybe that's you. And I can understand why. I hate running. Running's terrible. Uh, unless somebody's chasing you, it's pointless. Amen? Or unless the uh, ice cream truck's going too fast. Then you might have to run. But I don't like running either. But I'm going to look at a verse here in Hebrews chapter 12. The Bible talks about a race. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Father, I pray today you'd help us as we take these few minutes and explore what your word has to say about this uh, idea of us being in a race. Help us, Father, to be blessed and challenged today. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you today about how to be a spiritual champion. A spiritual champion. The Bible talks to us here in Hebrews chapter 12. Actually, the first word is wherefore. Now, the word wherefore means consequently or uh, as a result of. And so it gives us a command that we are supposed to do, and we're supposed to do this command as a result of something, or uh, consequently because of something. And to know what that something is, we go back to Hebrews chapter 11, and we see all of these Hebrew heroes, we have called this uh, chapter the chapter of the, the hall of faith, uh, is often Hebrews 11 is called, and it highlights many of these people who have run the race. There's a common denominator with all of them. Abel, the Bible says, offered a blood sacrifice by faith. Enoch pleased God by faith. Noah built the ark by faith. Abraham left his father's homeland for a place he did not know by faith. Sarah delivered Isaac as a 90-year-old woman by faith. Joseph encouraged Israel to return to the homeland by faith. Moses chose to suffer affliction with God's people rather than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, and he did so by faith. Rahab spared the lives of the Israelites by faith. Then we come to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, and it indicates here that these heroes who have lived this life are now peering over the portals of heaven, and they're cheering us on while we run our race that they have already run. It's like their testimony is telling us what God did for me, He can do for you as well. And so the Christian race, it is, not, uh, it is not accomplished by some special talent. The Christian race is not regulated to only a select few. The Christian race is you, my friend. If you've come to Jesus Christ and He is your Savior, you're a child of God, you are in this race. It is ordinary people who have faith in an extraordinary God. Now today, for purpose of illustration, I'd like for you to imagine a scenario. Imagine you are at home, there's a knock on the door, 
And you answer the door. Well, what are you doing, first of all, when there's a knock on the door? You're doing your normal. You're sitting on the couch. You're eating a bag of Cheetos. There's a, a, a pint of cookie dough ice cream beside you, and you're watching a TV show about weight loss. That sound about right? Okay, that's what you're doing, and there's a knock on the door, and you walk to the door to answer it, and there you see a person holding a microphone. Behind him is a man with a camera, and they say, Hello, we are from the United States Olympic Commission, and we've been looking for someone to run the marathon in the next Olympics. Out of all the people in America, we've determined that you are the one to do it. They've come to your house. You're the chosen one. You'll run the race. Obviously, this comes as a surprise to you because your daily workout consists of just doing a few laps from the, from the couch to the refrigerator, back to the couch. Laps, we're talking, okay? That's all your exercise has been. Uh, curls, uh, those type of exercises that we do. And so, uh, a few days ago, your spouse found you in the kitchen and you're huffing and you're puffing and wheezing. And she said, did you just come back from a run? And you said, no, I just come up from the basement. That's the type of shape you're in. And now they've chosen you to run a marathon. As much as you may be honored about running this race, you know you're not able to do it. Your favorite exercise is like mine, chewing. Amen? Isn't that a good exercise? If you take this offer seriously, though, your life's going to change. Habits have to change. You have to begin to work hard and to prepare. This race must become the great passion of your life. It must dominate your mind. It must occupy your every waking moment. To run the race well, especially to win this race, it has to become the central focus of your existence. It's why you get out of bed in the morning. It's what you live for. Now, the Christian has a race as well. As a child of God, you're in a race. It's the race of a lifetime. This race ought to dominate your mind. Uh, this race should occupy your every waking moment. This race should be the central uh, theme and focus of your existence. This race should be what you live for. Now, I want to look at from the Bible today how to be a spiritual champion in your race. We see the characteristics of the race here uh, in this verse. By the way, have you ever won a medal or a trophy for running in a race or maybe any type of uh, sport? It's a great feeling. It's a great thing to experience. It's a thrill to hear the cheers and to win a victory. Now, I've never run track or anything like that, but I did play football in, uh, when I was a teenager, and I know it's obvious, right? You already knew that just taking one look. I played for a little team called the Packers. Uh, not the Packers you know. I wouldn't play for them, but it was a team at the Bill Rice Ranch. We had split up as ranch hands, and we played on different teams throughout the summer just to uh, keep us in good shape, I guess. I played as a wide receiver uh, because I could uh, move, and that's about all I could do. Uh, it, I didn't do anything for my team all summer long to be a help to them. But it was at the end of the last game that we were playing, and we were down, and one touchdown would have won the game. I happened to be in the end zone. The quarterback made that eye contact, if you've ever been there. Uh, I shook my head, he shook his head, and he looked for somebody else desperately and then he finally threw the ball because that's all he had. And I don't know if you've ever been there. The ball, this, uh, all of a sudden, time slows down. The ball's just floating up there, and I begin to pray. Lord, this would be a great time for you to come back and to rapture your church. Amen? It would be a wonderful time. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. He didn't rapture his church. The ball kept coming. 
uh, towards my outstretched hands, and I won't tell you how it ended up, but I will tell you that moments of failure last a lot longer than moments of victory, if you've ever been there before. But it's a thrill to be in a game. It's a thrill to be in a race. It's an even greater thrill if you finish the race and win a medal or a trophy. The writer of Hebrews here talks about a race, wherefore seeing we are compassed about with so great a crowd, cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. You say, who's in the race? You are in the race. As a child of God, you've been chosen. Only this time it's not the Olympic Commission. Now it's God Almighty Himself that has put His finger on your life to run the race. This time uh, you uh, have been chosen to run the race of a lifetime. And this is no ordinary race. The Greek word for the word race here in Hebrews 12.1 is agone, and it means any struggle or contest. It also means battle. In fact, we get our word agony from this word. It's not always easy. It's not always fun. But the race that we are involved in is our journey towards Christ-likeness, and God wants to build us into the image of His Son. The great difference between this race and one you might run normally is who is the opponent. You are not running this race against someone else or other opponents. You're running this race against yourself. In fact, I could say today the greatest obstacle to your success in this race is you. And in my race is me. Now, the Bible tells us how to run. Running, running by the way, is an intense sport. It requires discipline. It requires training. A runner does not get up in the morning of a marathon and decide then to compete. No, it takes preparation. Long preparation. He has to learn to run properly, to even qualify to run the race that he wants to run in. God has given us specific instructions on running the Christian race. Number one, I'd like to tell you to run with all that you have. The runner's entire body is contributing to the goal of winning the race. His heart speed increases so that it give his blood enough oxygen. His lungs work to bring in all the oxygen possible. His muscles work together propelling him forward. The runner who gives a lackadaisical effort in his race will not be the winner of any type of competition. It takes everything that they have, from the grueling workouts to the race itself. A running and winning a race takes commitment. Half-hearted effort is ineffective in the Christian race as well. It is only our passion and our dedication that will distinguish a champion from the crowd. Give 100% in running the race that God has set before you. That's my challenge to you today. We've got to give it all that we have. Don't slack off. Uh, give God everything you've got. Colossians 3.23, and whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord. Let's remember that Christ is worthy of our all. Is He not? What did He give for us? He gave His all. He gave His very life. So we ought to give our all for Him, not withholding anything. Number two, run within the rules. There's qualifications for running this race. We only enter this race by trusting the sacrifice of Jesus Christ that He paid for our sins. You are not in the race in any other way. There is no other way to God than through Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man cometh to the Father but through me. There, neither is there any other name given among men whereby we must be saved than that of Jesus Christ. He is the one that puts us into the race. Listen, friend, it doesn't matter how good you are today, you won't get into the race on your own. 
It doesn't matter how, much, uh, how, how many good works you've piled up and, and what kind of a person you've become. There is none of us that can get to heaven on our own. There's none of us that can run this race on our own. It is only through Jesus Christ. That's our way into the race. Once we trust Christ as our Savior, He helps us run the course that God has laid out for us. The Bible says in Philippians 2.13, For it is God which worketh in you uh, both to will and to do of His good pleasure. From God's Word, we learn how to live a victorious Christian life. Through God's grace, we're empowered to run it. In 1980, for the first time ever, a woman crossed, uh, was the first to cross the finish line of the Boston Marathon. And her name was Rosie Ruiz. You may remember her, some of you. She accepted her gold medal. It was a big moment, an exciting moment. Everybody was cheering. And when she accepted, they interviewed her. <clears throat> you can see this even online today. And the interviewer said, you must uh, talk to me about your intervals. And, and uh, you must have done many heavy intervals to get here. And she says, I don't know what those are. It kind of confused the interviewer. And so she said, well, obviously your trainer helped with those. She says, I don't have a trainer. I just train myself. And so uh, as time went on, people started to get suspicious and then they realized no one had seen her at any checkpoints. There was no footage of her in the entire race. And with a little investigation, they found that Rosie Ruiz entered the race less than a mile from the end. And she comes cruising through the end, uh, not as tired as everybody else, because she's only run like a three-quarters of a mile. Get in the race. Don't appear to be in the race. Get in the race. We need to do it and do it with all of our hearts and run within the rules. Sometimes we think that if we convince others we're in the race, we'll be all right. That's not what it's about. Really get into the race. Like Rosie, you may try to fake victory, but ultimately you'll face defeat. Rosie had a moment of impressive victory, but now she's forever known for being a big fat cheater. That's all she is. Remember, records mean nothing if they don't reflect reality. Get in the race. And then thirdly, run without weights. Have you ever seen a marathon runner prepare? They put on their heavy winter parka, put on their work boots. No, not at all. In fact, they shed everything that might have weight that might hold them back. They wear the lightest shoes. They wear the lightest clothing so that they might not be held back with any weights. When he's going through the race, they will choose lightweight clothing and set aside what might weigh them down. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 tells every Christian runner we should do the same thing. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. A weight is anything that holds you back. Don't miss this now. We're not talking sin here. We're talking a weight. A weight is anything that holds you back from effectively running the race that God has laid out for you. Might be sin, might not be sin, but it's a weight. It holds us back. Uh, weight, uh, if we're not careful, will restrict us from running our race. Weights may include activities, habits, relationships, anything that holds your heart back from pursuing God. Isn't it strange here in this verse that God would list the weight before He lists the sin, Brother Sam? I found that interesting. Uh, it seems to me that we would lay aside the sin first. And then as we grow in Christ, we would lay aside the weight. But that's not what the Bible says. It says first the weight, and then it lists the sin. And I think the, the reason for that is when we lay aside the weights in our life, often 
that will help prevent sin in our life. In other words, you could say lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily or so closely associated with that weight. Lay aside the weight and the sin attached to that weight. Lay aside the weight and the, uh, that is surrounded by the sin. Let me give you some examples. In the Old Testament, it was not sin for David to take the day off. But it led to sin, didn't it? It was not sin for Achan to look at the goods. When he's fighting in the battle, and the Bible says he looked, and then he desired, and then he stole them, and he was ultimately stoned with his family. But it wasn't sin to look, but it led to sin. It wasn't sin for Lot to choose the well-watered plains, but it sure led to sin. And we can go on and on. It might not be sin in and of itself to get a TikTok account, but there's enough filth and garbage on there, it'll probably lead to sin. I'm talking about weights. What kind of weights are in your life that are holding you back? Most of us know what our weights are. The Bible tells us in Romans 13, 14, make not provision for the flesh. That's what we're talking about here. Don't let anything be in your life that makes provision for the flesh. What are your weights? Put them aside. If you'll run the race the way you should, we must remove those weights from our life. Get them out of there. Run the race. Can you imagine if I was to run a race, but before I did so, I'd strap these babies onto my ankles. These are ankle weights here. And uh, you can use them for training. But the day of the race, I certainly would not want to strap these on because this would hold me back, wouldn't it? You ever run with ankle weights? Whew, you get tired quick. I'm already tired. I just walked around the pulpit. Ankle weights make it a lot harder. I'm talking about in our life, we need to get rid of the weights in our life. Uh, shed those weights. Get rid of them. Don't let them hold you back. It might not be sin necessarily, but you know what they are. They're weights. Fishing can be weights. I like fishing. But if you fish and it gets in the way of God, uh, that's a weight. You see what I'm saying? Anything can be a weight. Motorcycle. No, you know, we're not going to go there, but we can go to other areas. Amen. You know what your weight is. You cannot be found faithful in your race if you've got a bunch of weights attached. Don't have weights. The race that we're involved in is an internal struggle of the soul. Our natural inclination, it's to laziness. That's our natural inclination. And uh, sinfulness. So my question to you today, friend, is what disciplines do you have in place in your life to help you run your race? You better understand along with me that our race is littered with obstacles that get in our way. We better throw aside those weights. By the way, this is where running with patience comes in. I think it's interesting. The Bible says, to let us run with patience the race. It's interesting that the word run and the word patience are in the same sentence. I mean, when we're running, we want to get somewhere fast, amen? We're getting there quick. But it says to run with patience. But we better understand the importance of patience in running. Winning a race requires intensity of training. It requires a determination of patience. Without the patience to train and to press on to the finish line, even the most talented runners will not win. read a story about Wilma Rudolph. She was born prematurely. She only weighed four and a half pounds. When she was just a few years old, she contracted polio and left her leg all twisted up. I know about that. My dad had polio, and I know the result it's had on his life. And so she had to wear a heavy brace until she was 12 years old, but her mother would, 
would constantly, every day, massage her leg and try to get it back to as normal as she could, and they would spend much time. And one day, Wilma went to the doctor, and he, she shocked him when she took off her brace and walked across the room, something she would never be able to do, or supposedly never be able to do. So she gave him her secret. She said, every day I take that brace off and it doesn't matter how much it hurts. It doesn't matter if the pain is screaming through my body. I force myself to walk a little more every day. That was her turning point. Soon she was walking everywhere. Then she was running. At age 16, Wilma Rudolph competed in the 1956 Olympics, became the first African-American woman to ever win the bronze medal. Four years later, she won three gold medals, all for running. Hey, she ran with patience. Sometimes it takes patience and determination to run the race. It's not easy. Wilma's life demonstrates for us the necessity of patience. Without patience to endure the pain, to endure the unpleasantness of the race, Wilma never could have won those medals. Patience in a race is the ability to endure until the finish line. It's the inner strength that we have and must have to refuse to get become frustrated and quit when we're exhausted. Maybe you're experiencing difficulties right now in your life and you're tempted to quit your race. Don't give up. Don't give up. Get back up. Keep going. Grow in patience. Let's get back to you and your house. You're chosen to run for the Olympics. At some point, you come to the realization, you can't run a marathon. Even if you try really, really hard, you can't run a marathon. Do you know and realize the number of hours an Olympian trains? An Olympian, if they're going to compete in the Olympics, trains four hours a day, 310 days a year, for at least six years before competing. That's more than 7,000 hours of training for an event that will last less than 60 seconds. We're not talking today, though, about being an Olympic champion. We're talking about being a spiritual champion. Being a spiritual champion is not a matter of trying harder. It's a matter of training wisely. The Apostle Paul encouraged Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 7, Exercise thyself rather unto godliness. He's not talking here about physical training. Uh, like he mentioned in 1 Corinthians 9, 25, And every man that striveth for the mastery is tempered in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. That's what we're fighting for. That's what we're running for. When it comes to being a spiritual champion, we need to try to not try harder to win, but to train wisely. How many times have you ever heard a message? Here's what I'm talking about here. But uh, You hear a message or you read your Bible or you read a devotion and you think, boy, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to be a better Christian. That's like me saying I'm going to be an Olympic cha champion. It won't happen just because I say so. It won't happen as an act of my will. If I want to be an Olympic champion, I'd better start training to be an Olympic champion. And to be a spiritual champion, you've got to adjust some things in your life. You've got to put some disciplines into your life and make some changes if we're going to be a spiritual champion. Things that will help you gain power and strength to become more like Jesus every day. Say, what are you talking about, preacher? Well, let's go down a list of a few things. Prayer. How much time do you spend with your Father in heaven in prayer every day? How about the Word of God? Reading the Bible. How much do you read in His book? Read in His Word every day. How about church? Are you faithful to the house of God? Used to be 
we uh, went to church three times a week and took a bath one time a week. Now it's kind of switched, amen? I like the old ways better. Are you faithful to the house of God? How about your service? Are you using your gifts to serve God and His people? How about evangelism? Have you spoken to somebody about their relationship with God lately? Less than 5% of Christians in the world today have ever led a soul to Christ. It's a sad statistic. How about stewardship? Are you investing your time, your talents, and your financial resources? Listen, I'm simply saying today that the secret to winning the race, to being a spiritual champion, is spiritual discipline. We've got to put these things in our life because it's not just going to happen for us because we want it to. Discipline makes you do what you don't want to do so you can become what you've always wanted to be. Amen? Now, I'm told there's two critical times in a marathon. The first is, like, is the beginning of the race. I, again, I'm told because I haven't run a marathon. My wife has won a marathon. I, I have not. I uh, drove behind her and supported her. But uh, I have not run in one. But the first one is the beginning. As you leave the starting line, you feel so good. And you feel like you can keep this pace up for the whole race. The temptation then is to run too fast, too quick. Energy is expended and none is left for the end of the race. The second critical time, I'm told, in a marathon is at the halfway point. You suddenly realize that you've got as far to go as you've already run. And you're already tired. Absolutely at the end of your strength. Runners call it hitting the wall. You've come to the end of your stamina. You're not sure you can put one foot in front of the other. You're not even sure this race has an end. Amen? Races are not won by the fastest runner. Races are won by the ones that stay in the race to the end. It's the one that keeps hanging on. The one who refuses to give up. Those who persist are those who prevail. In the spiritual race that you're running, can I implore you today, friend, don't quit. Never give up. Keep on going. If you've tripped and fallen, get back up. Don't stay down. The Bible says a righteous man falleth seven times and he gets back up and he keeps on going. Keep on going in your race. Maybe in the race you've been knocked off your feet a few times. You think since you're already on the ground, there's no point trying to get up. Uh, rather than getting up, you just plan to hang it up. Can I encourage you today? Don't quit. Keep going. Be like the postage stamp. You know the success of a postage stamp is just sticking to one job until it gets there. Amen? Be like a postage stamp. Stick to it. I'd like to close the service today with a video about a young man that ran into some difficulty in his race. Derek Redmond ran in the 1992 Olympics, and soon after he started running, he ran into a problem. I want to show you that in a video, and then I'll make a few comments before we close this morning.
ask you today, you might have been knocked down. We've all been knocked down a few times, haven't we? We've all been set back. Don't get out of the race. Stay in the race. Have you faced a setback today? Don't quit. Stay in the race. When things go wrong, as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high and you want to smile but you have to sigh, when care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Keep on going. Stay in your race. There's something noble about not quitting. There's something inspiring about getting back up, dusting yourself off, and continuing in the race. That just gives me chills every time I see it. He had no reason to finish it, but he finished his race. I started it, I'm going to finish it. Would to God more Christians had that attitude about the Christian race. Don't get out of your race. Don't give up on God. He has not given up on you. The Bible says we're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses whose testimony tell us, hey, we did it. You can too. Stay in your race. Back to your home. The Olympic Commission has left. You're left to sit alone back on the couch with your Cheetos and consider their proposal. It all comes down to one question. Will you get off the couch and get into the race? Will you start the training, embrace the discipline that it takes to run the race? The same question today applies for you spiritually. Will you get off the pew and get in the race? Will you let God build you into a spiritual winner Will you have the patience to overcome the setbacks 
and keep on going even when the going is difficult? Will you get back up? Praise God, will you put your arm around somebody else who's having trouble in their race and help them along in theirs? Stay in the race. Will you be today, friend, a spiritual champion? Let's have every head bowed, every eye closed. That's the question for you today. That's the challenge that I want to leave you this morning. Will you be a spiritual champion? Will you be one that God can trust and depend on to stay in your race? To just keep going no matter if the going is difficult? Will you stay in your race? Maybe there's somebody here today that you're, you've been defeated, you've been knocked down, you've, spiritually speaking, torn a, torn a hamstring. You know today, hearing from God's word, you need to get back in the race. She's playing. Would you stand along with me? And heads bowed, eyes closed. The altar is open. I don't know how God has dealt with your heart today. But if you've been thinking about quitting, or maybe you've already quit, can I ask you today to get back in the race? It doesn't matter if you win. It just matters if you finish. Will you get into the race today? As she plays, if God spoke in your heart,